For our God is wonderful, amen? What a wonderful testimony. He does some incredible things through our missions teams. And indeed, God is raising up a mighty army, amen? And we're not just talking about people who go over there and help mow the lawn and, you know, put up some bricks and, and clean up the carpet or something. You know, we went out there and we did, uh, we expanded the kingdom of God. We were reviving God's people. I and mean, this is powerful work. And, uh, you know, JSCM, we sent out an army, an army of mighty warriors, right, anointed by the Holy Spirit to go out and bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives. Hallelujah. You know, when I was on the field, when I looked at the Philippines team, everywhere we went, man, they were just praying. They were praying in tongues. And if you guys, if you guys are new to our church, our church is a, what's called a tongue-talking church. So we're very open to the gifts of the Spirit. Um, yeah, when I looked at them, I didn't see a bunch of young, immature, inexperienced youngsters. I was looking at, I was looking at an army. I felt like I was like in the, in the, you know, in the, in the back of the big old, you know, bomber planes. And you know, all the armies ready to, you know, launch out with their parachutes and they're just getting psyched up. They're just like, yeah. That's why I look, I, well, we said we were inside a jitney and, and, uh, they were just, they had book bags on. <clears throat> now, brothers and sisters, for the two testimonies you just heard from, there are 21 others that are available for you to read. Hallelujah. Uh, this time, uh, around, you know, we usually try to get people to do their testimonies. This time we got a testimony from each and every person that went on missions. And we felt like it was definitely our responsibility to report to you as a thank you uh, and a praise report for your support and prayers for our teams. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to um, make those uh, testimonies available uh, online and also in print form. So we'll look out for that in the next two weeks. Uh, we'll, we'll try to make those available. All right. Uh, these two were just the testimonies that I chose. But, uh, I mean, there's 21 others that are just that are just as powerful, just as amazing, different, you know, temperaments, saying different things, focusing on different areas. You know, hallelujah. You notice Hewan mentioned my name a lot. Uh, that's probably why I chose her testimony. Uh, if you ever want your testimony up here, just mention my name a lot. Uh, okay, I didn't actually do that, but uh, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> well, anyway, before I continue with my message, I'll make, I'll make it a short message today. I want us to give God praise. I want us to give God praise for what he's done uh, on the field, for the powerful work that he's begun in the lives there. All right, so if that's okay with you, let's all rile our heads right now. Let's just lift up a mighty prayer of praise and also uh, intercession for the, for the people on the field that God will continue the good work. And we know that you know for them they're in a they're in a season of attack right now. Right after your greatest revival comes your greatest attack sometimes. And so let's take this time. Let's intercede for them. Let's lift up our voices, brothers and sisters. Uh, let's just take this time. Praise and intercede uh, for the Philippines and India. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you, Father, so much, oh, Father, for the amazing work that, God, you have done, oh, God, Lord, through our two teams, oh, God. Father, Lord, we praise you, God, for the fire that fell, oh, God, Lord, on the congregations, oh, God, Lord, in Manipur, oh, God, Lord, and all over the Philippines. We thank you, oh, God, Lord, for the work of healing, oh, God, Lord, the, the work of healing that takes psychiatrists, oh, God, thousands of dollars and 
months, O oh God, Lord, to accomplish. You do, O oh God, Lord, by a touch of your spirit. For you are the wonderful counselor, O oh God, Lord. And I praise you, O oh God, Lord, for the work of deliverance, O oh God, Lord. Delivering people, O oh God, Lord, from even suicide, from death, O oh God, Lord. We thank you, O oh God, for even physical healings that took place, O oh Father, God, Lord. We thank you for many, O oh God, Lord, who, oh, after we cast down our nets, O oh God, we were able to see, O oh God, Lord, many coming to Christ on the field, O oh Father, Lord. We praise you, O oh God, Lord. We give you praise and thanks, O oh God. We pray right now we intercede, O oh God, Lord. Hallelujah, O oh God, Lord. For the pastors that we work with, O oh God, Lord, we pray that you would just continue to strengthen these pastors. We pray, O oh God, Lord, hallelujah, that you will fill them with your spirit. Guide them, O oh God, Lord, by the wisdom and revelation of your spirit, O oh God, Lord, to continue to strengthen, O oh God, Lord, and, and not to, O oh God, Lord, put a stop or to control, O oh God, Lord, the, the work of revival that has begun, but rather, O oh God, Lord, to follow the leading of your spirit, to submit, to humble themselves, and to follow, O oh God, Lord, your wisdom, O oh God, Lord, for we know that the litter kills, it is the spirit who gives life. We pray that, Lord, that they will follow your spirit, O oh God, to continue to, O oh God, Lord, Raise up the revival, O oh God, Lord, that has begun, O oh God, Lord, through the work of your spirit, through our teams, O oh Father. We praise you, God, Lord. Continue to raise up a mighty army at this church. Continue to raise up a mighty army here at JSCM, O oh God, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, Father, we give you praise, Lord. Hallelujah. We praise you, God. Lord, you are good. Lord, God, when it looked like we couldn't go to Manipur, Lord, in a couple of days we saw that permit come in, O oh God, Lord. When things were delayed, you, 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 you had David Peel not even be aware of his passport situation on purpose so that, Lord, that you can do it to the last minute just to show us that it was you. Amen. Father God, Lord, we thank you because you opened up that door and you did the most powerful work there in Manipur, oh God, Lord. And God, Lord, we pray, oh God, Lord, that you would do continual, fresh, powerful work there in Manipur, oh God, Lord. Break people out of religion, oh God, Lord, and bring them into the life-giving spirit, oh God, Lord. Hallelujah. Give them, O oh God, Lord, the ministry of your living water, the ministry of your spirit, O oh God, Lord, of power, O oh God, Lord. Hallelujah. We just thank you, God. Strengthen the leadership there in India, at the orphanages, O oh God, Lord, at the churches we visited in the Philippines, O oh God. Continue to raise up that young generation, O oh God, the Joshua's, O oh God, Lord, that will rise up, O oh God, Lord, and not only take the islands of the Philippines, will also go into the nations, O oh God, Lord. Oh, God, Lord, hallelujah. We praise you, God, for the wonderful work you've done there, oh God. And we commit, oh, God, those ministries, those churches, those people and lives and new Christians that became, uh, that were newly converted. We entrust them, commit them into your hands. And we pray for a work of your grace in our selfish hearts that we may continue to pray, that we may continue to partner, and that we may continue to, oh, God, Lord, look with expectation that what you have started here, you will continue to do and you will outdo yourself. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15, verse 18 and 19. Man, I I was just, we were singing that song by Starfield. Uh, the whole earth is filled with your glory, Lord. Man, I was singing that song, and God just gave me this revelation. And it was like, um, he's put a fire in our hearts that rages on. Uh, and it never has to die down. It doesn't have to go cold. And when I was growing up in youth group, we go to this retreat, I get fired up, and then our pastors will always come back on the Sunday after and say, hey, you got to not depend on those emotional experiences you see that fire it's gonna go cold so you know what you need to pray more you do your quiet times more and they won't preach that kind of message and i start to believe it and that's what i experienced 
Every time I get fired up, my fire will go down. And you know what? Some of you may have experienced that. But just like in that song, God was saying, the fire never has to go out. The fire never has to die down. And in fact, the fire should go brighter and brighter. Hallelujah. And I was just thinking, and then in the song is mentioning the sun. You ever wonder how the sun miraculously continues to rage on? How for thousands of years it's never gone out? It never, the sun never had like a rest day. Where the sun's like, oh, I'm tired. I'm tired, giving all this light and heat. Man, y'all taking off all my energy. Man, there's a lot of energy that's got to come out of the sun to, you know, to light up this universe, to light up this galaxy, to give life to earth. Hallelujah. But that sun, man, instead of getting colder, it's like getting hotter, isn't it? People talking about global warming. That's because that sun's getting hotter. Hallelujah. But just like that sun, if God can sustain the sun, God can sustain the fire in your hearts. Amen. He can sustain the fire that he's put into the hearts of the people in India and the Philippines. Don't believe the devil's lie. God said the fire on the altar must never go out. Hallelujah. And that it continues to rage on, not by our resources, but by us living by the Spirit. By always being on that warfare mode. By always being alert and prayerful. Hallelujah. We are like the sun. We are supposed to rage and get brighter. Hallelujah. Global warming. Hallelujah. It's like that spiritual church warming. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyway, that was a revelation. That was a, that was a bonus message for y'all. Hallelujah. Let's look at Romans chapter 15. Today's message comes from Romans chapter 15. Look at verse 18 and 19 with me. It says, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of of the Spirit of God. Now let's stop right there. Today I'm going to preach a message. It's called, You Are a Miracle Worker. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that. You are a miracle worker. Come on, shake him up a little bit. You are a miracle worker. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Right before I left for the Philippines, our brother Brady handed me a book. This book called The Reluctant Evangelist. Man, I looked at the book title. I was like, man, why are you giving me this book? Man, I ain't reluctant. <laughs> right, and then I looked on the author and it said, Paul Miller. So I was like, ain't no, ain't no, how are you related to this? Are you related to the author? And Brady's like, oh, yeah, that's just my dad. <laughs> man, I wish I could say that, right? Oh, that's just my dad. Anyway, it was a book written by Brady's dad, actually. And, I, you know, I, I was like, you know, yeah, yeah, he's YWAM staff, you know, what's he all about? And uh, I just delved right into the middle of the book where it deals with miracles. I'm going to go to the good stuff, amen? <laughs> Sometimes I just go right for the good stuff. I'm going to skip the intro, the preface. But anyway, I went right, right for the meat. And um, actually, there was, a, there, was a, there was a chapter called Meat, meat and Potatoes, like Miracles. You know, the meat and potatoes of evangelism. I was like, what's this all about? So I read, I read that chapter. And man, Brady's dad, he has an anointing to write. He's a powerful author. I mean, I, I think God needs to revive the republishing of this book. It's out of print right now. But I told him I want to order 80 copies of this thing. And, you know, I want to get a copy in each of your hands. It's a powerful book. I'm reading it. And it's got, 
I can tell, I can't always tell, alright, but I can tell sometimes the spirit of the author by reading their book. It's weird. You know, and I can tell like what their views are on certain things. Not just by the clues in the content, but by the spirit by which they write. Because, you know what, when you have a certain spirit, it produces certain things. You can't fake that. You know, especially when you're writing a book, you're not gonna fake what you really have down in your spirit. I mean, Brady's dad is right on about a lot of things. And the way he worded it, very witty. I can understand now where Brady gets his humor. I mean, his dad has this, like, British, like, cheeky humor. All right, hallelujah. Anyway, I really like this book. And so, I decided today to preach a message straight out of that chapter. Uh, because that's how the Holy Spirit was leading me. All right. So if you look here in Romans chapter 15, here Paul describes how he evangelized. And he mentions three elements here. Number one, what Paul said. Number two, what Paul did. For example, his lifestyle of love. And number three, Paul mentions what God did in miracles. What Paul said, what Paul did, and third, what God did. These are the three elements that Paul mentions here in evangelism. Let's start right away. Evangelism, in evangelism, we've got to talk about God, amen? You've got you to talk about God. But Floyd McClung, this guy who introduced the concept of friendship evangelism, he has a quote that everybody quotes all the time. It's people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. So Floyd McClung said, evangelism is not just talking about God. Evangelism is also important to demonstrate the love of God. Amen? I mean, you could talk about Christ all you want and then turn around and be a jerk. And people won't care about what message you got. Or you try to, you, you try to reach a youth group and you don't really show them the love of God. Right? They have a lot of rejection issues, insecurity issues. They probably won't even hear, hear you out. Right? So that's why he says, people don't really care how much we know until they know how much we care. But in our passage today in Romans 15, there's another important element in evangelism that much of evangelical Christianity finds elusive or irrelevant today. And that's the element of miracles. That which only God can do. You know what? If you try real hard, you can present the gospel real well. If you try real hard, you can present the love of, you can demonstrate the love of God to somebody. But no matter how hard you try, you can never work a miracle for yourself. God's gotta do it. God's not doing it, you're in trouble. You ain't gonna see nothing. As some of our team members experienced. Hallelujah. That's something only God can do. That's, you see, brothers and sisters, God is not only loving, but we gotta remember, God is also powerful, amen? Miracles is all about power. Hallelujah. For God, the supernatural is very natural. It's not a big deal to Him. Hallelujah. And when we go out to evangelize, we got to demonstrate God's character, of course, the fruit of the Spirit. But we also have to seek to demonstrate His power, amen? The gifts of the Spirit. I mean, if I handed you an Apple MacBook Pro today, 
Probably the world's best laptop out there. Hallelujah. If I gave you a gift that big with which you can do so many things, potentially you can do so many things with that computer. And all you did was you said thank you and you put it on your shelf. I would be pretty insulted. You know what? God doesn't appreciate his gifts being shelved either. So many people in the body of Christ, they have gifts of the spirit. They're dormant. They're either already in them or they need to be released. But they're there. Or God knows which ones he's proportioned. Because he's the one who determines who gets them. Hallelujah. And he doesn't appreciate his gifts being shelved. See, if you want miracles, you got to tap into the gifts of spirit. you got to tap into the anointing of God. And this is the third and elusive element to evangelical Christianity. Hallelujah. And as a church, I desire to see this church tap into that power. Word of God says in 1 Corinthians 4.20, The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. You know, anybody can go out there and talk. Man, you got, in Korea, man, I saw Mormons yesterday all over the streets of Shinchon. And normally they look real nice, but for whatever reason yesterday they look angry. <laughs> but you know what, cults, man, they're out there. We got a Jehovah Witness, Kingdom of Jehovah Witness Church, right down the street right here. Next to Hypermart. They, they, they talk, talk, talk all the time. Anybody can talk. Anybody can talk. But hallelujah. The kingdom of God is just not a matter of talk. Paul's saying it's a matter of power. When you see demons being cast out by the finger of God, Jesus said, then the kingdom of God has surely come upon you. And that's why I'm excited with what happened on our mission trips last week. I'm real excited about what happened, man. The teams, we went out, we evangelized, we preached, not only by what we said or what we did in love, right? But we also stepped out and then we expected God to demonstrate his power. And some people, if they came back from the trip without seeing it, they would have been very upset. Like even our brother Caleb sharing his testimony. Up until the last days of his mission trip, he was like, God, I want to be used that way. You know what? That's not his selfish hunger. That's something God put in him. And that's something that we all need to take attentive to, be attentive to. Hallelujah. A hunger for the miraculous. You know, God's been shaping the vision of our church to raise up an army. To raise up an army. The teams sent out this past week, they were the first teams that were sent out under this banner, the vision of raising up an army. You guys notice that? We didn't have summer trips, on, we didn't have mission trips last summer. And I had become uh, the pastor uh, last spring. And throughout the months, God has been shaping the vision of this church. And this was the first time we sent out teams under this banner. And I'm telling you, man, when God was like, God was like, you see these two teams going out? This is my army. These are my troops. They went through my boot camp. And when I send out an army, I don't just send them out there to talk. I don't send them out there just to carry a message. I send them out there to carry the anointing of my power. Hallelujah. And God sent out these teams in the power of God. The dunamis. The 
dynamite power of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. That's what we saw. I got real excited. And in Brady's dad's book, he mentions that the miraculous, like healing, prophecy, casting out demons and other signs and wonders, he said that they are vital to effective evangelism. It is vital to effective evangelism. But before we go deeper into this subject, truth be told, miracles are no guarantee of conversion. Now, let's get that straight. You know, even in Jesus' time, he did all kinds of miracles, but still multitudes did not trust him. In the book of Acts, you got these religious leaders. They see these awesome miracles. And then the next moment, they turn and they persecute the disciples. Okay, miracles are no guarantee of conversion. So get that straight first of all in your minds. Hallelujah. They cannot force the proud heart to submit. And although miracles do not guarantee conversion, for those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, they serve as clear signs that God is really among us. All those little doubts that people have vanishes when they see the power of God. When their mother gets healed of cancer. When their father falls under the power of God. The only thing that makes your father fall is alcohol. And you see him at a revival meeting. And he actually falls under the power of God. And there's a little short Korean dude in the front. All he did was tap him on the head. Did a knock him on the jaw or nothing. Tapped him on the head. He's on the floor crying like a little baby. Hallelujah. That's the power of God, brothers and sisters. Now, the question begs to be asked. Are miracles just icing on the cake? Or is, it, is it just the embellishments of evangelism? Or is it the meat and potatoes of evangelism? That's the question. Are, are, are we talking, is, are miracles like kim? You know, like the little packs of kim you get when you eat pop? Is it like the kim? Or is it like the pop? The pop and the kogi and the kimchi. That's the question right here. Right? And, and Paul Miller says that miracles are the meat and potatoes of evangelism. Come on, think about it, folks. Let's think about this. When Jesus began his ministry, he did not think that his holiness, his character, and his anointed preaching were sufficient to carry out his ministry. So what did he do? He did miracles everywhere he went. Miracles were central to Christ's ministry. If you take out the miracles, you would simply read, and Jesus woke up. And then he walked. And then he prayed. And then he went to sleep. He smiled at his disciples. Twice. Okay, if you take the miracles out of the, uh, out of the gospels, man, you got some boring gospels to read. I mean, some of the accounts will be changed into Jesus ate the five loaves and two fish that the little boy gave him and thanked him profusely. Or Jesus woke up in the middle of the storm and started to pull the rope. I mean, if you take out miracles, all right, 
You don't have the New Testament anymore, folks. Miracles were not just icing for Jesus' ministry. I mean, it was central to his ministry. Hallelujah. And although it didn't get every proud heart, oh, it, it, it humbled a lot of proud hearts. And it freed the oppressed, the poor, the captives. Hallelujah. And if Jesus needed miracles to advance the kingdom, and guess what? So do we. And now you might be thinking right now, hallelujah. Miracle worker. Me? I don't think so. Miracle worker. You know, when we look at the Billy Grahams that are out there, we see them went thousands to Christ just simply through preaching. And the Western world looks at the Billy Grahams and they tend to depend on just preaching for evangelism. Am I right? The churches that most of you grew up in, if you grew up in the Western world, where's the bulk of the emphasis? Especially when you do evangelism. It's all on preaching. It's all about how you say it and what you say and how you deliver it and what you got on that day. If you're talking to somebody at Columbia University, man, you better look nice. Don't look like you just stepped off from Harlem. Right? Hallelujah. If y'all don't know where Harlem is, all right, I don't recommend you check it out on your own. Hallelujah. But check this out. Let's not forget that in the non-Western world, the poor, the illiterate, the downtrodden, the blue-collar workers of the world, elaborate preaching doesn't have the same effect. And you know what? The majority of the unevangelized world fits this category rather than the first. To reach people like that, God raises up Smith Wigglesworth. Hallelujah. Smith Wigglesworth. Say that. Smith Wigglesworth. Uh, He was a Pentecostal preacher back in the early 1900s. I heard that this guy's preaching was so bad, he was uneducated, and like... 90% 90% of people will fall asleep during his sermon. But what's interesting about this guy is when he give the altar call, people would wake right up. Because signs and wonders and the anointing would just start to flow. Bad message, powerful anointing. People are like, man, I can't, I don't get it, but I'm going to keep coming back. When I was in the Philippines, God used our team powerfully, as you saw in some of the pictures and videos, right? But it wasn't because I prepared and delivered my most insightful messages there. Right, trust me, some of the times I had to depend on the Holy Spirit for the message. I would get it on that day or like an hour before. I wouldn't even know the outline. And then I'm just arguing with God. God, why are you doing this to me again? Right? I didn't deliver the most insightful messages there. But you know what? The fire of God fell all over the place. Fire of God fell. In fact, on one occasion, I was still in the middle of my message when one rude girl just burst out in tongues and just started prophesying and praising God and be like, Yes, Lord! Yes, Lord! Send us to the nations! Whatever tongue she was praying in. Hallelujah. She could have been praying in her native language and we just didn't understand. (laughs) Sound like tongue. And she started praising God real loud, by the way. 
When she did that, man, I felt like God was saying, all right, that's enough of your preaching. Wrap that joint up. I think I think I was trying to tell me wrap it up and I didn't get it so hallelujah but yeah man when she started doing that man it shook everybody up man I remember the, the homeboys at the, at the Bible school they were all like this chilling relaxing distracted uninterested what you got man that body worship was poor oh my goodness oh that skit that everything skit is that everything you got <laughs> they just look like man they were just like chilling like they were completely hardened they didn't look interested in my message. I'll tell you, man, when the anointing of God fell all of a sudden, and that girl started breaking out in tongues, I'll tell you right now, they all straightened up on their chairs, and they were real nervous, and they were just like, what's going on? And in fact, the whole Philippines missions team was doing the same thing. They're like, <laughs> wait <until> that. <laughs> now, I never experienced anything like that, but I know somebody who did. In the book of Acts, Peter. Bible says that while he was still preaching, the Spirit of God fell on all the Gentiles, all on those who were of Cornelius' house. And he just started in tongue. And Peter was like, okay, I guess I should just lay hands on them and start praying for them. That's exactly what we did. I called them up, and man, not a single student remained in their seat. Every one of those hard-looking boys, they came forward. Many of them were hit with the power of God. Many of them crying. One homeboy manifesting demonically didn't know that the sins he committed two weeks ago were actually haunting him then. That's powerful. Shook everybody up. And I'll tell you right now, my message didn't shake them up. It was the power of God that shook them up. Paul himself said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. For all this scholarly work that Paul put into our Bible, I mean, he's a pretty eloquent writer, right? I'm telling you, man, he was like Smith Wigglesworth when he preached. If you look in the book of Acts, right? Hallelujah, this came to me, right? Paul is preaching in the middle of the night. This poor teenager or this young man, he's sitting by the window. Message is so boring and long, he falls asleep. Okay, falls like three stories out the window. On the ground and he dives. I mean, that's some poor preaching, my brothers and sisters. And hallelujah. But praise the Lord. The power of God was working through Paul. Because Paul got on top of that kid and was like, Lord, don't let this happen, Lord. This is going to ruin my ministry. Ah! And the kid's like, hey, what's up? Oh, he's alive. He's alive. Hallelujah. That's the power of God. That's like, that's God. That's the message right there. Your preaching put the hymn to sleep. The power of God raised him up. Hallelujah. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, in the Western world, we have this huge emphasis and dependency on preaching. But the way Paul knew it, he expected the power of God to show up. And the way I experienced it in the Philippines last week, man, if it wasn't for the power of God, man, it would have just been just courteous visits. To churches that we just wanted to encourage. But right now, you know, calls are coming in from the Philippines. Pastors saying, revival is breaking out in our church. The young people, they're, 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 they're on fire. We are so surprised by what your team did. We did not expect this. It's because the power of God was moving. 
Christ doesn't want you to just read about his miraculous ministry. He wants you to go out and start one of your own. He wants you to have a miraculous ministry yourself. Jesus said in John 14, 12, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. That's some powerful words. That's some crazy words, brothers and sisters. You see these miracles that I'm doing? You, anyone who believes actually, not just you, my 12 disciples, but anyone who believes will do the things I've been doing. And the last time I checked, I did not see an expiration date on this verse. This word is not like a carton of milk, brothers and sisters. Like a carton of my lactate milk. Hallelujah. You know what Moses, Elijah, Elisha, Jesus, Peter, Paul, you know what they all had in common? They were all miracle workers. You know what God wants you to do today? He wants you to see yourself in that same hall of fame. Right there. Hallelujah. You know, if you suck at basketball, if you're not very good at basketball, it's a pretty ludicrous thing for you to think of yourself as being in the basket NBA Hall of Fame. But that's kind of what the Bible is telling you to do. See all these people who did miracles throughout, throughout the Bible? I want you to think of yourself in the same league with them. First you believe, and then you will see. And that's the message today. That's the message today. You might be like, raise the dead? Man, I can't even get out of bed in the morning. Well, let me ask you a question. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Because, you know, the way you see yourself will greatly limit the miraculous in your life. Like when people come up to you with a disease, do you immediately offer to lay hands and pray for them? Or do you try to diagnose it and then send them to the Yakub? And if that doesn't work, get them a referral to the doctor. Right? Do you immediately, if you, do you immediately think, because a miracle worker does that. He resorts to laying hands first. Hallelujah. And the way we see ourselves greatly limits the miraculous. And you know what? This affected Jesus as well. When he went into his hometown in Nazareth, the Bible says he didn't do many miracles there, except laid hands on a few people, a few sick people. Why, why did that happen? Why was he hindered from doing miracles in his own hometown? You might be like, man, yeah, Jesus, come on. Come on, we got a lot of sick people, man. Well, it's been a long time since you came back home. Come on. No, they didn't do that. You know what they did? They were like, hey, what does Jesus think he's doing? Isn't he a carpenter? Isn't that Mary's son? And we all know what happened with Mary. Isn't that James's brother? All right. And the Bible says that because they only focused on Jesus' natural side, they could not believe or trust him that the anointing for the miraculous was upon him. But just like the people of Nazareth did to Jesus, 
I'm, I'm warning you right now. Don't do to yourself what the people of Nazareth did to Jesus. Because once the anointing of our God falls upon you, rests upon you, and you start to walk in that anointing, you can walk in the miraculous. Don't let the people, don't do to yourself what the people of Nazareth did to Jesus. You are more than a Hagwan teacher. More than a college student. You are a child of the Most High God with the divine anointing of Isaiah 61 upon you. When Jesus said Isaiah 61, he read it and he said, this is fulfilled in your midst. You know what? It's still being fulfilled today. Because if, if, if that was it, just three years and that's it, that's the only fulfillment of Isaiah 61, that's a sorry fulfillment of that mighty, mighty prophecy. But you see, it's still being fulfilled today. God's just looking for willing vessels. Faith-filled vessels. Let's think of it like this. In regard to the miraculous, did you know that Jesus had no more advantages than you and I? Think about that. Everybody, think about that. Jesus had no more advantages. What are you talking about, Christian? Pastor Christian? Jesus was the Son of God. That's an advantage. Okay, no, no, brothers and sisters, let me tell you something right now. Jesus had no more special ability to do the miraculous than you or I. Here is the Son of God performing miracles, but he was stripped of his divinity. The only way he was able to do miracles was by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is why Jesus didn't do a single miracle until he was baptized by the Spirit in the Jordan River. But immediately when he was baptized, anointing of the Spirit came upon him. And he began to do miracles. Okay, I mean, there's some false gospels out there, right? You got these false gospel of Thomas, whatever, like, you know, these false liberal, crazy, you know, like, what's that book? That stupid book that my sister liked to read. What was that, what was that book? The Da Vinci Code, yeah. Man, Da Vinci Code, come on. Please. It's just, it's just a book based on fiction. Based on these false gospels that everybody knows is a false gospel. Even secular scholars know that these things are dated way after the time of uh, Jesus' ministry. And in there, they, they try to say that Jesus as a teenager, he would zap other children. He just like, you know, he didn't like another child, but he just zap them. I don't know what other miracles he did in, as a child. He didn't do a single miracle, brothers and sisters, as a child. It was only when he got the anointing. The Bible says, Luke 4, 14. And after he was baptized, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out throughout the whole surrounding country. And by the way, that report was a report of miracles. Jesus himself said, John five nineteen. I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. So Jesus is exemplifying for us how a man can move in the anointing to minister the miraculous. Do you really believe this today, brothers and sisters? I don't think you really do. (laughs) It's hard to believe this. Come on, Jesus had some advantages. Come on. Come on. He had some advantages, right? 
Brothers and sisters, Jesus did everything. The Bible says in Acts 2.22, Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with mighty works and signs and wonders that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. If you take note of this verse, it says the wording, it says, God did the wonders and signs through Jesus. Through a man, actually, it says. And this verse is trying to give us revelation that in the the incarnation of Christ, he set aside his divinity in order to come and he took on human limitations, just like the ones you and I experience. Now, when we think of miracles, we think of a very high and unattainable achievement in our walk of faith. And we think of it as a pinnacle of the Christian life. Maybe I'll see one miracle done through my hands in my life. And uh, Jesus, I will just die happy. I just saw one miracle. Just one person raised from the dead. Hallelujah. That's the way we think. That's a lie of the enemy. Let me tell you something. That's a lie of the enemy. God doesn't want you to think that way. We think miracles are this very difficult thing to see in our ministries. And in a way, in a way there are difficulties surrounding getting released into the miraculous. But check this out. Brady's dad shares three reasons why miracles are actually quite easy. Number one. First, miracles are easy because it is God who works the miracles, not us. We cannot sweat our way into a miracle. And this is a mistake sometimes I make. Now, persistence is sometimes required. But check it out. Working hard is not the key. Sometimes when I pray for somebody, I lay hands on them, I have the tendency to believe that if nothing's happening, i got to pray louder. Lord, yeah, Lord. Bless, bless. Did you hear me? Bless her, Lord. I think if I get louder, maybe a sign or a wonder will manifest through her, in her. Or sometimes... I gotta pray longer. I gotta break a sweat. And then boom, she falls down on the power of God. Uh uh-uh, uh, brothers and sisters. When it comes down to it, miracles are done by God. You cannot work your way into a miracle. And our brother Brian Wee, on one of the nights in the Philippines, I preached the gospel message. And one of the local pastors, he helped do an altar call. About 25 women came forward to receive Christ. And personally, I thought it was confusion. Because initially, none of them came up. And then 25 of them came up. So I thought, oh, no, you don't. Maybe this is just some, some kind of confusion in the translation. And I asked Pastor Ibai, I was like, have you seen these people before? And he said, I had never seen them in my life. These are brand new Christians. Right? We, do the, we lead them through a prayer of faith. They get, they get saved for the first time. Right? They receive Christ into our hearts. And then the Spirit of God just put it right in my thoughts. It was like... Have the team pray for them right now. Have the team lay hands on them right now. I don't want them to just go out here with, with a conversion. I want them to go out filled with the Spirit of God. Just like Cornelius and his house. I want them filled with the Spirit of God. So I asked the team, hey team, come on, come on. Lay hands on these people. Lay hands on all these new believers. They just came new believers. Lay hands on them. Okay. And then we have a lot of sanguines on our team. And so the, the sanguines, they were, they were just, they were having a blast just praying with little babies and praying on their own. I don't know what they were doing, but. Only person that really heard me was Brian Wee, right? So Brian Wee's like, okay, okay, hey, hey, okay, all right. So he just steps out on his own, and he just starts to lay hands on people. And, and he just did exactly what he saw me do. 
Jesus was like, fire, 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 fire. Fire, 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 fire. Ah. But the amazing thing was, with no effort at all on his part, they all fell on the power of God. Like seven of them in a row, just boom, boom. I looked over, I was like, huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. But that was the rest of our trip, actually. Like almost every single one of our team members, including Rosie, who, you know, just, you know, got awakened to these things, you know. She's just doing it. God's doing it through her. Right? Because that's because miracles are actually quite easy. Because God does them, not you. Second, miracles are easy because you don't need a master's degree in miracle working in order to do a miracle. You don't need this high degree education. You don't even have to understand everything that's going on taking place. You don't have to understand all the signs that are taking place. If you just step out, a lot of times, that's why we pray in tongues. You know, we pray for somebody, they fall into the power of God. We don't even know why they're crying, why they're screaming out. Right? And that's when you need to just, by faith, trust that the Spirit of God knows what He's doing. And when you pray in, in tongues, you're just praying a perfect prayer over that person. Not with your understanding, but by, with the mind of Christ. With what the Spirit of God knows He's doing in that person's life. So yeah, man, sometimes you do miracles, you don't even understand what's going on. Hallelujah. But you don't need to understand everything. God will still do it through you. Third, it's easy. Check this out. I never thought of this. Brady's dad is a genius. Third, miracles are easy because the standard of holiness is not that high. Now, that might come as a shock for some of you. A lot of us in our Christian evangelical thinking, we think that for God to use us in the miraculous, we got to get ourselves a whole lot holier than now. When I reach this level in my Christianity, that's probably when God will use me in miracles. I'm not there yet, so I'm not even going to try. Lay hands on people, sick people. Why would I even do that? You know what I do on the weekends? Trust me, you don't want me doing that. You know, you ain't gonna, nothing going to happen. Because we think the standards are really high. When Paul Miller mentioned in his book, I admit, I also fell into this misconception. I think I was also still struggling with this misconception. We think that when we reach that higher standard, that God will somehow consent to work through miracles through us. That he's waiting for us to come up higher in our spiritual maturity and our holiness. Well, sisters, let's look at the Bible. Remember the 12 apostles? Guess what? While they were in training, Jesus sent them out. All right, Matthew 10, 8, right? And guess what they saw? They saw miracles. They did exactly what they saw Jesus did. And what did they see? They saw miracles. Okay. Were they exceptionally moral, virtuous, and spiritual? Well, sometimes we think that way. Just because they were apostles, we think they were just spiritual, holy people. You know what? Some of them probably used the F-bomb more than you do. Like Peter, when he denied Christ, he was dropping F-bombs. He cursed but God still did miracles through that boy. They loved Jesus just like the rest of us. But they also had all kinds of weaknesses. Just like the rest of us. And on the eve of Christ's death, you know what the disciples did? They argued and fought with each other about who's going to be the greatest. Who's going to be the one to sit next to Jesus on the throne. Because they thought he's going to sit on the physical throne. Man! 
Christ is about to do the selfless sacrifice. He's on the eve of doing it. And all they want to talk about is their selfish ambition. But guess what? Did their selfish ambition mean that God could not use them to do great things? Not at all. Not at all. How high is the standard of holiness required to do miracles? Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Brady's dad says, The question is not how high is the standard of holiness. The question really ought to be how low is the standard of holiness required for miracles. Because in this account of future judgment, the people that performed miracles, they weren't even converted. They weren't even Christians. And they still did miracles in Jesus' name. Oh, now you're in trouble. If a non-Christian can use Jesus' name and cast out demons, guess what? You can do it. If a non-Christian can say, in Jesus' name, be healed, and people get healed, guess what? You can do it. The standard of holiness is not way up here. Because you know what? Our holiness is not the key to the miraculous. God is the key to the miraculous. So don't wait to be perfect and holy before attempting to walk in the supernatural. Because you'll never get started. Paul Miller says, Perfection will always elude us this side of paradise. But miracles don't have to. So as our church shifts from Sabbath months and mission trips to the sowing months and letting down our nets right here in Seoul. Hallelujah. We're going to let down our nets. Amen. Man, we're going to let down these nets. I want all of us to think of ourselves as up-and-coming miracle workers. Because you are a miracle worker. You are a miracle worker. Let's change the way we think of ourselves, brothers and sisters. And let's change the way we think of miracles. You see, I read that chapter right when the Philippines missions trip began. And I've been on three Philippine mission trips before. And when I've been on those three trips, I saw the fire of God fall. About once. Maybe twice during a trip. And I I would praise God for that just one night. And I'd just be talking about that one night. But you see, when after reading Brady's dad's book, God just completely changed my mindset about the miraculous. He's like, I ain't using you, Christian. In the miraculous, because you are holy and you know the Bible, and you and you and you and you you you, you pray loud. That's not why I'm using you. <laughs> Check it out. I can use anybody, and everybody. Change the way you think about yourself. You are a miracle worker. And you know what? I, I started thinking that way. And guess what happened on this trip? Every single time I preached, even when the the people weren't responding to the message, I had this confidence that the fire of God was going to fall. And when I did the altar call, even when initially nobody came forward, 
I had this confidence that was going to be packed with people all over the floor, slipping and sliding on their tears. And guess what? Because I saw myself in that way. God showed himself faithful, powerful, strong. For men's faith ought not to just rest on man's wisdom, but on the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's say those prayer. Let's take this time. I just want to give you just a brief moment just to respond to this message. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16, These are the signs that will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick. And they will recover. These are not the signs of pastors. These are not the signs for church leaders. Jesus said, these are the signs of those who simply believe. The devil wants you to think that miracles are just for people in the spiritual hall of fame. But God is speaking to you today. He is saying, you are a miracle worker. One year from now, God doesn't want two, three pastors at this church performing the supernatural through their ministry. One year from now, God wants to see the whole army laying hands, just like the Philippines and India team experienced, and seeing the power of God go out in their families, when they go down for Chusak, for Sarnar, hallelujah, in their workplaces where to do their prayer movements, and they will expect that and they will see that, they will experience that. That's what God wants to raise up. He doesn't want to raise up three. He wants to raise up 300 brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Miracle workers you are. Stephen was not an apostle. He was just deacon. And signs and wonders accompanied him. Philip was not an apostle. Signs and wonders accompanied him. Brothers and sisters, God wants you to respond to his message today. Let's take this time. Let's lift up our voices. Let's tell God, hallelujah. Lord, use me as a miracle worker. Use me as a miracle worker, Lord. Hallelujah. Let's pray.